0: All right, you guys, so welcome to this podcast of Professor Latinx, and today we're going to talk about Justice League and Logan, two very different kinds of comic book movies. Um, And I guess kind of throwing us in the deep end and launching us here, I want to address this sort of issue that's been um, circulating in the Internet a lot where Scorsese made this blanket, you know, Call um, declaration that superhero movies are not cinema. And I think these are two really good examples for us to kind of dig deep into and understand maybe a little more complexity in and around the superhero film, right, the superhero movie. So with that, let's, um, let's hear your thoughts, you guys. Scorsese says superhero movies are not cinema, and we have Justice League, Zack Snyder, and then we have James Mangold's Logan. How would you—Brendan, re- le- let's hear what you have to say. Oh, and by the way, we have Brendan and Philip and Hannah and Mintu in the in the studio today. Brendan.
1: Uh, thank you. So um, I'm actually going to sort of take Scorsese's side here um, because— the con- the blanket statement that he made was specifically geared towards Marvel, but I think he did mean towards superhero films in general. But what he was talking about was sort of like the fact that most superhero movies nowadays have that amusement park the- like feel, where you're going in there for these big exciting moments, you know the the portal scene in Avengers Endgame, um, you know all of the fan service and whatnot, and you sort of lose those cinematic dramatic. Moments where uh, there's tension, and you you don't necessarily feel that all like you know, every character is safe. Um, it, it, you just you kind of go there to have that family fun sort of amusement park atmosphere. Um, I actually agree with this, but the difference between Logan and uh, Justice League is the fact that Justice League is that amusement park sort of movie where you're just kind of there for these big CGI moments and these big CGI fight scenes and fan service. Whereas Logan. Is it is cinema to me? I mean, you you really feel with the characters. I mean, the entire film you can tell that Logan's in pain, and I'm like I don't know about you guys, but when I was watching it, it hurt me to watch him perform anything in the film because you could see he's clearly hurting. Um, and at the very end, uh, I was honestly a sobbing mess in the theater. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's he's he was Wolverine for as long as I've been alive. You know, he's a hero of mine. I've seen him in movie after movie, so. Um, the fact that Logan was able to invoke that sort of emotional response without having all like these exciting explosive moments, it felt more like it was about sort of the road trip aesthetic and uh, paying homage to these characters. I, I say Logan is cinema um, and Justice League is sort of what uh, Scorsese was talking about how it 's not
0: so actually you are you are disagreeing with him
1: um. I, I feel like if we were going to give it a blanket statement, yeah. like that all comic book films are mm-hmm. not cinema, and okay. yes, I'm going to disagree, but I understand where he's coming from and mm-hmm. the ideas that he made.
0: Okay. So, yeah. Um, Mintu, do you want to throw in here? Or Hannah?
1: Yeah.
2: Um. Okay. So, I, like, when reading the article, I definitely understand all of the points that he's making, and I definitely agree that, like, um, yeah, like... Marvel does use the same formula for like almost all their movies and like he had a quote and it was like they're, they're sequels by by name but like but like uh remakes in spirit or something like that which like means that they're all the same as each other. And I definitely like I 100% see where he's coming from. Um but for like I still consider them to be cinema personally because like like they've like created like their own movement. Like they've had, they like, those movies have made such, like, a larger fan base, like, from, for Marvel Comics in general, and, like, the experience, like, the amusement park experience, I feel like is an aspect of cinema, like, like, the excitement that you feel when you watch the portal scene in Endgame, or, like, Captain America with Mjolnir, like, that, I feel like is, like, very important to cinema, like, being, like, like, just how, just as important as, like, emotional tension is and emotional pain is to a movie. I really value those really exciting moments, too, where, like, like, I know, like, the experience in Endgame at the theater was, like, so amazing. Like, everyone was going crazy. It was like a riot. People were shouting. It was so amazing. And, like, I haven't experienced another movie like that before, um, where like everyone in the theater had a shared experience and like the fact that th- these movies were able to create that and expi- inspire like emotion like that I feel like makes it cinema and makes it art
0: that's cool so you, for you, cinema is less about say um, a kind of hi- highbrow aesthetic and more about um, the energy and the emotion and the connection, right? Not just created between the screen and the audience, but between each audience member. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. Um, Hannah, what, what's on your mind?
3: Yeah, um, for me, coming from being an English major, you know, I'm used to this in the literary community, too, where there's a lot of people that don't consider, like, genre fiction as important and meaningful as, like, more deeper... Literary fiction and things like that. Um, and I've always kind of been on your team as well, where it's, if it's a community that's enjoying this art form, then it's art to me. Um, I do get his point, and I did feel like Logan was the first superhero movie in a while that surprised me, which was nice. Um, I do agree that, you know, sometimes they're very safe. You kind of know what's going to happen, you know the storylines that's going to unfold. And from the very beginning of Logan, it was different to me. You know, I was on the edge of my seat. I actually got suspense from a superhero movie. I got thrill from a superhero movie. Um, and I did not know, you know, who was safe, what was at stake here, and where the film was going to go next. And I think that's kind of what he's usually missing from superhero films is you just, it's all laid out before you. And, and Logan felt different in that way.
0: Yeah, Philip, what are, what's on your mind?
3: Well, I,
4: I think Marty has a point, but... Um... I think it's also important to realize that this is an evolution of filmmaking with these kinds of films. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the overly CGI driven superhero films. But as everyone else has said, and I tend to agree with Logan is is probably the first one since probably the Batman Begins or any of the Dark Knight films that actually had a cinematic quality to it. You know, there's a narrative that's being told throughout the film that makes it a piece of cinema, not just like uh, something you would watch – and eat popcorn, too. What I don't agree with is what his buddy Francis Ford Coppola, who I also respect as a filmmaker, said in, in when he said they're despicable. It's kind of hypocritic, hypocritical for him to say that because uh, he produced the first Superman back in 1978, and Mario Puzo, who wrote The Godfather, wrote the screenplay for that. So when you're involved in an actual superhero film, to call them despicable is, is definitely hypocritical. Um, but as, as far as whether or not it's art or not, I think that that's kind of up to, um, the audience to decide if, if they think it's art, that's cool. If you think it's art, that's fine. You're allowed to have a difference of opinion. You don't have to agree one way or the other, but I do think there's definitely an evolution of filmmaking with some of these films. And, and James Mangold clearly proved that with Logan. It was, I was blown away by that movie. I was very impressed by it, and you know me, I'm not a, a huge superhero film fan, but I was really impressed with that film, Justice League, not so much. Let me
0: ask you guys a question So, Justice League PG 13, right? Um, Logan R is that is there something about kind of R rated or adult content film that allows for the kind of development? of character, um, the ways that you guys are talking, Brendan, you mentioned even kind of crying, right. Um, the suffering, the, the journey, et cetera, that we don't get, that we couldn't get with a PG 13. I'm really curious. This is like a puzzle for me, Brendan.
1: Yeah. So I'm not going to say no, that you can't get that sort of emotional response out of a PG 13 movie. I mean, uh, end game when Iron Man died and that was the crescendo of 20, was it 21, 22 movies worth of character arc, I just feel like adult content always has more of an impact on the audience. Um, Growing up, watching kids' shows, it was always the sort of more adult kids' shows or the kids' shows with more adult themes or that took themselves a little bit more seriously um, that really stuck with me and that I could look at characters and admire who they were or... um, Sort of like the, the progression that they had gone through. And I can still go back and watch them today. And I feel like it's the same thing with comic book movies. I mean, you know, as, as much as I like Ant-Man because he's funny and as much as I like, you know, a lot of the other heroes, it's, it's really about whether or not they're able to impact who you are as a person, whether you can learn from them. Um, that being said, I feel like Iron Man is an R-rated character in a PG-13 world. I mean, he's got survivor's guilt and a lot of what he suffered through has been extremely violent. He's lost uh, friends, family, you know, uh, technically he's disabled. I mean, he's lost parts of his body. Uh, He's gone through PTSD, alcoholism. He's definitely an R-rated character in a PG-13 cinematic universe. And I feel like uh, Logan's the same way. And that's why his movie is rated R. Um, I feel like if Iron Man were to be remade today, it should be an R-rated film. But when it first came out, they needed to pander to a specific audience. They needed to make sure that they got as much success as possible. But to me, I feel like you know, as nice as PG-13 is, as much fun as it is and as exciting as it is, those R-rated characters, those R-rated storylines, they stick with you more. They impact you more. They're deeper, darker. They hit a lot heavier than what a normal PG-13 story would be. And if you you look at another R-rated film, Deadpool, uh, it's a PG-13 story wrapped in an R-rated shell because of language and... You know, sex and whatnot. Not nothing about the characters are particularly super complex or deep. It's mostly just you know the comedy is what makes it rated R. Um, so yeah. All
0: right. Well, um, on that note, let's talk a little bit about Justice League. Um, kind of maybe the elephant, the PG thirteen elephant in the room. Um, huge disaster, as we all know, and um, disaster financially. Um, And disaster in all sorts of different ways. But yeah, so we have a PG container here, um, superhero movie. And here, I think we would all agree with Scorsese, um, at least with this movie, maybe, I don't know. Um, But let's, let's talk about Justice League for a little bit. And then we'll move to some content in Logan. Mintu, do you want to? Start us here. Where do we start, right? Okay,
2: so Justice League. Um, Okay, so my first thing is that there were definitely some moments in that film that I enjoyed. For the same reason that I enjoyed, like, really, like, I don't know, like, like the portal scene in Endgame. Like, there were some, like, cool moments like that in the movie, like, where... The Flash is like running around like the tunnel thing, and he like pokes Diana's sword and like goes back to her like that. Like some like tiny scenes like that, and like when Superman like like looks to the side and he sees the Flash like little tiny scenes like that were like I think really well done. But overall, like DC definitely struggles with like having a good plot for any of their movies and like a good villain. Like the main villain Steppenwolf for Justice League was just like. He, I don't like. I, I honestly think he was the blandest villain, like of any superhero movie, like ever. He was just so like, he was. He didn't do anything interesting or unexpected. He was just focused on the same thing the entire time, and it was not interesting. And like, the characters individually, I like. I really think that they did a good job casting. So I feel really bad for these actors who could do so much better if they were given better material for their characters. And, like, what, uh, what, what Marty said about, like, these superhero movies lacking the touch of an individual artist is very clear in Justice League especially because as I was watching it, like, the first time, like, when it came out, I was, like, I was thinking, like, it feels like five different people just, like randomly haphazardly stitched their work together like there was no co- coherency and like the interactions between the superheroes were kind of shaky and there were some good moments but they just it overall it just wasn't coherent and and like I love the Justice League like they're my favorite superheroes I, I think they're like they're my favorite but the movie was just I, I don't it was just like I don't know how to feel about it which is like just tells you that it wasn't well-made and i don't have like a strong opinion about anything which means that like it's just like bland
0: Philip, let's hear what you have. I know you have a lot to say about this movie, race, gender, the whole kind of religious aspect.
4: I think that, that Zack Snyder does some some pretty deplorable things in the film, if, you, if you're looking at it from a critical standpoint, especially with, with race and ethnicity. Um, you know, the Aquaman character, for example, you have a, a, a Polynesian Native American actor in Jason Momoa playing this guy, and he puts him smack dab in the middle of Iceland which is the last place you would expect somebody of that, of those descending backgrounds to come to to be hanging out. in? especially if you're Aquaman, wouldn't you want to be in like a tropical paradise hanging out in warm ocean water as opposed to freezing cold ocean water and be around people that are of also that same descent that you are? It, it just... It, it seemed really incredibly forced to have him in that kind of environment and also to make him basically an alcoholic, which is is a negative stereotype that gets placed on a lot of Native Americans. Um, so to portray him as – and I'm sure a lot of bros out there probably saw him as just like this hard-drinking dude that crushes alcohol and crushes life and crushes crime or whatever kind of bro convention you want to put it on, uh, I, I thought it was ridiculous. Um, And it's even worse when you get to the cyborg slash Victor Stone character. I mean, you have an African-American man who's clad in a sweatsuit that says property of Gotham City. I don't think it gets more offensive than that. Um, so a- aside from completely missing the mark on any kind of, you know, ethnic diversity or any kind of social commentary where you can have, like, like Min was saying, like to have a unifying – uh, element it's completely lacking in mm. this film unless you're batman or superman yeah two white dudes Tokenism at its worst, right? So beyond tokenism, yeah. Let's pull them out
0: for the poster, but not give them any kind of complexity that has anything to do with the kind of racial markers, right? Exactly. Let's just erase that. Yeah, Hannah, what do you think about gender in this movie? Uh, Um, Or did you think about it at all? Or what are you thinking about?
3: Yeah. Well, I was thinking. I had more problems. I felt like with um, racial and ethnic diversity in the film. Um, I do think that Wonder Woman. Um, It's kind of interesting in the film that she's kind of uh, flying under the radar as a superhero in the beginning. And that's kind of her aesthetic is she doesn't want to be out in the spotlight. And it takes these like Batman and Superman, these white men's example to kind of like and even encouragement. Like Bruce Wayne is telling her that she needs to come out and be there for the people and kind of takes them to pull her into the spotlight. And it's like not until the very end when these characters have been doing it all along that she can finally step out and like be a hero her right I did find that interesting um speaking of diversity and the token diversity um what I noticed was that it kind of when we're pulling this team together the diverse characters are the ones who are the hardest to pull in you know these were the angry Aquaman was angry he was a loner he was kind of an outsider in his community Victor Stone didn't want to be a part of it he was like rebelling against being a part of the team and it took these white characters to drag them in and kind of they needed a leader to be part of the team versus being willing to be a part of the team in their own right and wanting to be there it just Mm. it felt very problematic to me interesting yeah
0: brendan what do you do you want to tell us i'm seriously the whole ending of justice league and maybe we'll kind of let it lie after that but you've got what the messiah and the capitalist do you want to to make a comment about did you what did you think about that?
1: Um <clears throat> okay, so I'm I'm a really big DC fanboy, so watching this movie was really upsetting for me. Um you know, it had those moments but very few and far between. Um mentioned the uh the scene with Superman and the Flash where he sort of turns to catch up and you're like, Whoa, Superman's fast too. Um but the rest of the movie just everything felt wrong. Characters felt wrong. You know, Superman is He's not hailed as this messiah in any of his storylines. He's always like the Boy Scout. Um, And Batman's, you know, he he always has sort of like that capitalist, rich guy atmosphere, but it's always more like a side note. I don't know. He's not a hero because he's rich. He's a hero because, you know, he's completely human, but he's still willing to, you know, put past his pain and, you know, try and protect people. And um, going back to the Wonder Woman thing, I found it really interesting that they sort of tried to uh, make wonder woman the, the leader of the justice league in this story because in most stories it's you know it's batman or it's superman that are sort of like the head and um you know or you have like the big 3 uh, but the fact that they were sort of pushing diana into the leadership role here was really interesting for me and i think like that's because uh you know they they really don't seem to care too much about superman and batman as more than as anything more than just money getters mm-hmm. like they don't really give either of those characters development they just sort of let them be what they what they have been in snyder universe which is you know the the messiah character and then the rich dude oh Mm -hmm. oh, sorry Mm -hmm. um whereas you know victor stone he uh a lot of his scenes were cut um and uh, snyder was actually talking about that like you know they were going to show more of his football background more of his relationship with his father um but he was going to get a lot of development in this film based around his personal struggle with the fact that you know he feels like he's a monster uh, and that was supposed to like allude to um, blackness um, mm-hmm. and how he doesn't feel like they fit in society or they feel like they're sort of seen as outcasts. Um, and then Barry was going to get a lot of development. Uh, they cut a lot of his scenes with um, Iris. There was a scene with Iris that was removed um, and both of them were actually queer actors, which I found to be an uh, interesting cast. Um, and then Aquaman, I feel like, was a missed opportunity. As was mentioned earlier, um, they pretty much just cast a cool dude, bro. Cause they, you know, Aquaman's always sort of had this image issue where he's been the, you know, the white bread blonde guy who throws starfish at people and, you know, can't really do much outside of the water, but you know, they, they needed to make sure that they could, you know, get someone super cool and, and really just dude, bro that everyone could be like, Oh man, I love Aquaman. Um, and uh, it, everything just kind of feels really simplified minus, you know, uh, the woman and then the two people or three people of color or um, sexu- like different sexuality. Um, so I, I, the Messiah figure, like the two white the two white guys are the most boring, but they're also the most important in the story, which is what makes the story sort of lose a lot of its you know, potential quality or its potential complexity because when you make the two biggest heroes the most boring, the most bland, like, what do you, is that supposed to be interesting? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no. I think uh, that combined with the excessive reliance on CGI. I mean, no wonder that movie cost like three hundred million bucks, right? I mean, the you know, looking at the 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 final credits, and it goes on and on, and it's all CGI. It's all money spent on CGI. Um, I think we can all kind of say Zack Snyder, even like the whole Wonder Woman kind of lensing every opportunity he got, he was trying, you know, that camera was, you know, up under her skirt. Um, you know, there's cleavage shots, everything that Jenkins, Patty Jenkins did not to sexualize Wonder Woman. He did. Um, I think we can all say we probably wanted to take a, a nice long hot shower after watching Justice League. Right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of dirty by it. Right. Yeah. Mintu, um, did yeah. you want to add something? Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Like talking about Wonder Woman, like the Amazons were wearing completely different clothing than like they were wearing in the Wonder Woman movie. Like, like dress, like. Horribly different, like it was offensive how how like exposed yeah. they were.
0: Where J- Jenkins, we understand because they live in a, a warm climate and they're you know warriors and they need the kind of you know um armor that they wear. It makes sense, right? They use bow and arrows, so their armor is going to be sculpted in a certain way. But Zack Snyder, he just wants he's just all about the sexualization, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um But I will say that I actually. Um, I never thought about, like, placing Aquaman in Iceland before, like, and how that was a problem, but I do like, like, how they remade Aquaman, and that, like, they took a risk with his character, and I found that risk to be rewarding, personally, because I think it's because I look at him through the lens after watching his movie, which I thought added a lot to his character, like, his father is, like, um, a person of color, and so then he's, like, mixed race, Mm -hmm. so that, like adds a lot more like background to him as a character and i also felt that like he was like a good break from the other characters like he was supposed to be the audience's like lens into the movie because he would react like legitimately to everything that would that would happen like when superman was waking up he's like oh he's not okay like so he was supposed to be like the audience's lens and i felt that it was very refreshing because he wasn't like like dramatic and and like mm-hmm. like intense about everything like the other like batman and superman were which i do agree that they were like pretty bland um but i just i just felt that like they did let aquaman be vulnerable in a sense which is very interesting because he is supposed to be like this like macho man like if you like have like I watched the Aquaman movie and he is like very vulnerable in that movie and he does get a lot like a really good character development and the what they did wrong with Justice League was that they just threw him in there yeah no context but and like if they had made the Aquaman movie first I feel like that would have been better
0: I think that's the issue and I think you guys have talked about this um even in class right that one of the Reasons why Marvel has been so successful at creating its cinematic universe is that each character has had its origin story and then it's been feeding into the team, right? The Avengers. Um, whereas we got Justice League kind of just thrown, so it really does feel like tokenism, right especially with the characters of color. Um, had we had the Aquaman you know which came out in two thousand and eighteen before might have been we might have been able to give dimensionality in ways um, that you know Philip is kind of resisting but let's let 's not give Justice League any more of our kind mm. of valuable time and energy and intellectual kind of work, and let 's Talk about how, like, Logan does get it right. I mean, Logan, like, seriously, I've seen this, I'm sure, like you guys, so many times. And, like, good cinema, there's always something new, right? There's always something new. And I agree, Mintu, with your sense that, yeah, we need to not think about cinema is like a highbrow or lowbrow versus highbrow, but more about what this artifact does to us as an audience to make new how we see ourselves and the world and think about things and feel about things. And so those can be found in all sorts of different places in cinema, right? Um, But let's talk about that with Logan. And maybe we can hit on like these same issues of race and gender and stuff, but focusing in on that Hannah do you want to talk yeah
3: Um, so I think a a lot of our conversation this semester with a lot of different superhero films has been kind of about how they make um, it's been like nationalistic and how they make America versus this outside foreign other force and it's been a lot of othering and something that was so refreshing about Logan was that it wasn't just national and like not nationalist but America was this foreign other you know, we were this force that is in, in going against this, like, more innocent, um, good presented as good um, identity in Mexico. And they made a point to stress, you know, that the company was an outside American company working in Mexico. And all of these um, researchers and doctors were white men, and they were kind of the evil other in the film. So that was something so new that I feel like, especially in superhero films, we're not used to.
0: Yeah. Br- uh, Brendan, let's hear. What, do, what are your thoughts on Logan? I, obviously, you love Logan and yeah, you love the Wolverine yeah. character. I,
1: yeah, I love this movie. Um, when I saw the trailer, the first thing I thought was, oh, this is going to be good because <laughs> I've sort of I've had hero burnout for a while. Um, I mostly went to go see, um, you know, like Captain Marvel, uh, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, those movies out of respect for, you know, the finishing the Marvel storyline. Um, so I, have I've had some pretty bad hero burnout with these movies for a while. Logan was the first probably like hero movie that I've seen a trailer for and genuinely been excited and it delivered. Um, it, it's complex, you know, nothing about it feels stereotypical, nothing about it feels boring. It feels like every single detail was paid attention to. And we, we talked about with justice league, how, um, Superman sort of gives this rule white. Feeling to like rule America, well, the the farmers in Logan are black. I mean, it does the exact opposite. It shows that people of all races can you know be farmers, can be mm-hmm. out in the country and and are and they yeah, are yeah, yeah and that's they definitely cool. are. Yeah, and and I, I I definitely sort of find it an interesting take that uh, the villains are white. And sort of presented as like the the corporation, the the American corporation. But the fact that a lot of the villains are um, technically disabled in the sense where they've removed their own limbs to try and enhance themselves, um, and they they're missing limbs. Um, it's it's you know, usually you know when you see a disabled villain, it's more of a mental sort of thing, or it's more like they don't have control over themselves but the one the the character with the mental illness Charles Xavier is also presented as a hero um and it it's really well written the fact that each character sort of has their own problems that you can empathize with or you can understand you can feel bad for and I mean this the way that they wrote these characters it was written to be the end of Logan's story and the end of Charles's story and the beginning of Laura's and the fact that they're sort of Building a potential future of the X-Men around uh, a Latina actress is, I mean, it's great, personally. I, I feel like she was one of the best actors in the film. You know, if, if Hugh Jackman and, oh, um, uh, God, I'm like, I feel so bad. Uh, Patrick, Patrick Stewart, Stewart. Patrick Stewart, yeah. If If the two of them weren't the leads of this film, then she could have carried it. Pretty, pretty well. I mean, for yeah. somebody that, that has very little speaking lines, she did a phenomenal job.
0: I would say she's probably our protagonist even if she's introduced kind of late into the movie. I agree.
1: Um,
4: Philip, what are you? Th- what are your thoughts? I, I thought it was a fantastic movie um, whether it's a superhero film or not. It's, it's clearly cinema. Uh, it tells a wonderful story. It's 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 heartfelt. You know, I I wasn't bawling at the end because I don't have as much invested as Brendan does, but it choked me up at the end. You know, I knew it was coming because all my friends are big fans, so I knew it was coming. But to actually, you know, experience the film and, you know, be invested in the story, it definitely hits your heartstrings. Um, I also thought it was clearly an allegory on on what's going on with the current presidential administration in our country Uh, when you see, you know, kids in cages um, they're not necessarily kept in captive in the film, but they're clearly it's definitely a commentary on that because they're also minority children in that film, which is clearly uh, a commentary on what's going on with with our current administration. So I appreciated that. I appreciated the inclusiveness of any other um, for the you know with whether it's it's the mutants who are who are made to and this was back when the first X Men came out when I was like you know nineteen or or twenty um, how they were meant to be thought of as immigrants to the country but not as a threat as people that are supposed to be embraced and that's kind of the idea of why America is is or can be a great country is the the other people that make it so diverse it's not just White dudes that make America a good country. You know, it's everybody that comes from all walks of life that came here in search of a better life. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that that political commentary in the film, and I, I also thought the acting was fantastic. I mean, Hugh Jackman. He owns that character. He does a phenomenal job with that character. And the little girl playing Laura was fantastic. And and Patrick Stewart even added this kind of King Lear vibe to to Professor X that wasn't there in the previous X-Men movies, you know, because he's at the end of his rope. He's sort of a little senile in some ways he's very bitter about a lot of things and and kind of hilarious in a lot of ways too and i thought Stephen merchant was good which is not somebody you would expect in a film like that because he's got this great dry sarcastic british humor and you know him from ricky gervais and things like that so i thought that that it was very cool to see diversity in a superhero film celebrated not kind of singled out Mm. or even erased yeah, Mintu, before you jump in, I just wanna I it's
0: interesting that you mentioned the end and, you know, how you know um how first of all, you know, how deeply upsetting, but at the same time the kind of promise of a of a kind of the birth of these new mutants who are mixed race, they're identified as mixed race and mutant. But what I love and what's so different from the looking into the sky of Justice League is that you have the cross and then they it tipped over to become that X, right? So a reminder that we're not waiting; that it's not a belief in a kind of Messiah to come. It's actually like what these children will enact in the kind of positive transformation of the world, right? Physically, what they'll do. Mintu, what what's your what's on your mind with Logan?
2: Okay, so I have to admit that Logan was the very first X Men movie I ever saw in my entire life <laughs> because I got into the superhero genre very late. And by that time, like there were like twenty x men films, and I was like there's this is too much like i can't do it so i so I watched Logan on a whim, and like it was i can like it was the first time I watched it like i was it was just i was just blown away because even like with my limited knowledge of the x men I could tell that like this is a movie that hardcore x men fans would absolutely enjoy and and adore um and uh but the end was what got me especially like the turning of the cross into the x like that like that was just like i was i was silent in the in the in the in the theater i was just like blown away by that scene um and I, that represents like like you said like the children carrying on the legacy of the x men and that also like reflects um like what's happening today in like our society and how like it's going to be the children who fix everything and who are like the innovators and like the new superheroes and like carrying on um, what past heroes have left behind, which mm-hmm. I thought was very nice.
0: Yeah, no, that's really great. You know, gosh, right? We were talking about Laura as, as the protagonist of this movie and the fact that she doesn't speak for almost half of the movie, right? But then when she does speak, um, you know, she's speaking Spanish, right? Wow, that's a, Like a convention breaker, a big risk taker for like if we're thinking about formula superhero, a risk taker taking us into rural America and giving that space, you know, room to breathe, giving it room to breathe around. Uh, an African-American family that's struggling and, you know, restrictions of water rights, the kinds of things where corporate America is impacting um, our lives on on a daily basis and where, in fact, white, black, brown, you name it, need to be kind of reaching across divides and not participating, playing into the kind of capitalist divide and conquer, right? God, all that in a superhero movie... It's like mind blowing. The journey, right? The journey. The fact that we don't get action until 30 minutes into this movie. Let me tell you this, though. When I first watched this movie, I was like, business is this? This is going to be business as usual. And I think you guys know why. Because we have Wolverine drunk and collapsed, kind of waking from the stupor because you have these. Chicano, Latinx gangbangers, right? Who want to basically steal his, you know, his, the car, right? And the and and um, this cool car and the and the and the hubcaps and all that stuff. And so I was like, business as usual, what? But I don't know, what did you guys think? As a way to like launch this movie, that's also you know pretty ballsy, right?
1: Yeah. So going into this, when I saw that, um, I honestly, for me. I thought of it more as a way to set like to set the setting less of a like, if they had had no other uh, Latinx characters in the film at all. That would have been a huge issue for me. But, you know, seeing as, as they sort of like carried on through the story and you sort of understand where the characters are. I feel like it was more of a way to set the scene, more of a way to explain, OK, we're in like we're right next to the border between Mexico and the United States. Um, and, and sort of to add gritty realism to the story. Um, because it, it does happen, mm-hmm. and it, you you aren't really expecting going into a superhero film to see uh, your hero get out of a car and like cut gangbangers to pieces. That's not that's not what you go into a hero film seeing. And the, I, I you know I guess the fact that they were uh, Latinx could be seen as an issue um, until later in the film when they sort of explain it's because they're on the United States Mexico border. So I feel like. I don't really take issue with things in films until the very end when they haven't done anything to remedy the situation and to explain what they've done. Um, Like with Justice League, they didn't. With Logan, they do.
0: Hannah, I think you want to say something. Yeah,
3: I remember, well, because when I had never seen Logan until we watched it for class and I like had gotten the articles with the movie and I knew we were about to watch something, you know, that people view as politically progressive and that there was a lot of really great um, political press surrounding it and so then I got to the opening scene of the movie and I was so confused I was like what are we watching this feels more business as usual than a lot of the things we've seen um, kind of the whole semester where we just have this group of Latinx gang bangers beating up our hero and it's just very very simple other enemy characterization and i I didn't really understand it until I read from your chapter and I um, where you talked about kind of how it's presented so that it can be erased. And I thought that was a really interesting move after kind of thinking about it like that, where it's put in the film at the very beginning for a purpose so that it can be gone for the rest of the film. And that's it's kind of calling attention to that stereotype so that we can get it out of the way and then we can move on to something things that are actually more interesting and progressive and making a statement. Yeah. That's great. Um, and Thanks. think so. For, yeah, yeah, that was, that was so interesting it's to am- read about.
0: It's amazing that movies still like, did you guys have the unfortunate experience of watching Peppermint? Okay. Just watch it for just to like, here's a movie that was just made. Okay. And it, The whole movie is basically Latinx gangbangers who are, like, aggressively assaulting and even killing off, like, white family members. I mean, that's the whole movie. And then it's a revenge story. But it's amazing. Like, this was just made. So, yeah, exactly. Back to your point, Hannah, right? Like, put it out there. Get it out. Boom. Let's get rid of it now. And let's do something really, like, really... Uh, interesting in terms of that reconstruction of the real, actual building blocks of the United States, right?
1: I feel like the fact that peppermint wasn't popular or well like seen or promoted is kind of testament to the fact that we're tired of of seeing business as usual, yeah. And like the stereotypical uh, Latinx villains and drug lords and whatnot. I mean, it's boring. We've seen it so many times before. We're tired of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mintu, what about and, and what? Just sort of some final thoughts about Logan that come to mind
2: um okay so yeah like i also like the in the chapter like it was like like the fact that they never came up again was just like like the film the film writers were like we're not doing this like this is not how we're gonna approach this movie um and uh but overall like when i watched it i was i was like i it was very it was very interesting because the entire time laura i feel like she is the one with the most power ultimately like she's like not dying or sick like uh like logan and uh professor x are and like that's very interesting because not only is she like latinx um but she's also like a girl and she's like a child as well and like and like i know right now like women girls are the they're just like not they're never taken seriously ever like even greta thurnberg who's like literally changing the world people are still like Mocking her for being a little girl. But in this movie, like, it starts out, like, with the bad guys mocking her. But then it stops immediately when they realize that, like, oh, she's using the weapons that we gave her against us. And, like, turning our, like, personal greed and, like, and like uh, apathy against us. And she's, like like, literally, like, slashing capitalism, like, right in half, like, because... Um, she's like, like the fact that she's using tools that they like forced into her, uh, for her own good and like protection and like protecting others as well. Like I thought that was very, very well done.
0: Yeah. So just kind of to, um, bring us to a close here, I love what you guys said too about the children, the Latinx mutant children as being the kind of the next move, the hope, the, um, but also, um, What I love about Laura is that she brings Wolverine back to his humanity, right? That he'd lost Um, all of the darkness that, right, um, that we see embodied in Weapon X um, and that he finally comes back to. And in the end, it's about a father and a daughter relationship. How awesome is that? Because we don't really get that in movies, in cinema in general, fathers and daughters connecting on that deep level, and his where he says, So, this is what it feels like, right? This is what love feels like. Um, Brendan, I know you want to say something. Um,
1: to me, I feel like, So, this is what it feels like is more about death, about him dying. But I do see your point. Um, and those you know, pseudo father daughter, pseudo father some relationships and uh, movies always get to me. Um, I I know a lot of people prefer Guardians of the Galaxy 1 to Guardians of the Galaxy 2 but I prefer 2 because there's there's these pseudo father son relationships that just every time that Yondu's funeral happens I cry cuz it's to me it's such a beautiful way to tell a story these um these f- uh, like connecting family together but people that aren't family like you know Laura's Wolverine's daughter in the sense where she's made from the same genetic material but she, you know he didn't you know Consummator mm-hmm. and um seeing them sort of build this father daughter relationship was honestly probably the most interesting part of the film to me yeah. it's It's a story that I love to see, and that if if you do right it it always hits home mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. to see sort of uh the you know cliche white alcoholic father sort of come to be the the hero that we've always loved Wolverine to be. Because of his you know taking ownership and and um, father like taking his fathership role more seriously of mm-hmm. his uh, latina daughter it it was i mean it 's beautifully done
0: so let 's just kind of wrap up by saying, you know yeah, Justice League sucks, but <laughs> we can learn a lot from Justice League in that we can see just how incredible a movie like Logan actually is by getting it right you know, by not throwing CGI at us as a way to solve, like, you know, coherence issues, by going for kind of natural lighting, really good, you know, kind of gritty cinematography, excellent kind of showcasing of our acting um, and actors, but really strong story with, you know, this coherence that also creates meaning beyond the story, meaning about like us today, us in the past, and us in the future. So... I think, you know, in this sense, if Scorsese is talking about superhero movies generally or Marvel Cinematic Universe, even more specifically, um, we here today have complicated that. Right. Complicated that and that we can find real um, resonance with something like a superhero movie made um, as Logan was made. Thank you guys for joining me. Professor Latinx here in the studio. Thanks. Thank you for having
4: us.